often beats with Clint. Ew. Uh, you know, they say you could tell a lot by someone. You could tell a lot about someone about how they do their laundry. You know, how often do they do it? Do they separate gym clothes to casual clothes, button-ups to fruit of the looms? Or do they separate long socks, dress socks, ankle socks, mid socks? Fuck it, do they even just throw their shoes in the washer? You know, all in one, kind of like a four-in-one body wash. Suave, baby, suave. Or are they more diligent? Do they separate it? Like anything, I would think you could find the negative in all aspects. People would say, people that uh, separate, you know, uh, colored clothes, white clothes, button-ups, casual, gym shorts, cargo shorts, boxers, briefs. It's all the same. They would say they all have the same response. They would all say that's someone that is diligent and cares about what they wear. And they make sure they love to separate things. Because they're worried about the outcome, you know. They don't want things to come out with wrinkles. They don't want mixed coloring. Starting to sound a little bit familiar. I wonder why your grand-grandparents taught you a certain way. And then people would say, the ones who just throw anything that's sweaty, anything that's dirty, and they get all their laundry done in one sitting. You fit as many. You know what? Fuck it. Throw your bed sheets in with your Nike shorts. Who fucking care? Throw your hats. Throw your winter hats. Throw your blankets. Who gives a fuck? Just throw it in there. They would say, oh, they're lazy. I would say, I'm just not afraid of things that don't look like one thing to combine and mesh and intertwine with each other. I guess you could say one's for segregation and the other's not. So you're right. I can tell a lot by how you do your laundry. Welcome to episode 79 of the Off and Beat Podcast. I hope you enjoyed that message in a bottle. Why ride the wave when you can just fucking crack the fucking bottle and read the fucking message? Um, you know, in today's world, we have this thing where we, you know, we want to kind of recapture the 1800s. Well, hopefully not too much of the 1800s. Um... Where they love those historical romantic fantasy type of things. Like, man, I had a long-distance lover in 1932. And he sent me a message in a bottle. And it showed up 90 years later. And someone found on the shore of a New York beach, right? And they found it. And then, of course, they post it. Look what I found. And it's an old rusty bottle with a piece of old paper in there. 
preserved. And it says, Dear Eleanor, I I just wanted to feel your cheeks when I'm climbing my intertwined battles of telling my wife that I'm going to leave her for you. And they read the message, and of course, you know, the guy who sent it, they're always dead. But for some reason, the person it's sent to, that person's always alive. It's about the power of a secret love affair, but come in the light. A lot of years later, um, unnecessarily, see? People think that you get out in today's social media, like you can't keep no secrets. You couldn't even keep a secret back in the 1930s. Men always find a way to expose themselves. They put it out there. They kind of want to get caught. They do want to get caught. He just didn't want to get caught when it mattered. But someone will make it for their Instagram. Someone will post it for online and make it an archive. Like, oh man, I just... People get caught up in the aesthetic of how romantic that would be. It's like... I mean... If he was really trying to be romantic, wouldn't he if he picked a more efficient system? I understand there wasn't FedEx or USPS or uh, Amazon or DHL, whatever the fuck you send your mail. I mean, you could have fucking like got a horse carriage and brought it to her if it was that damn important. I think it was more like I'm going to cover my base like, hey, I tried. I didn't really want you to see it. Uh, but it's kind of like when someone... uh. They won't actually like just file for the divorce, but they'll do everything in their power for the partner to divorce them. But they just can't do it. But they're like, hey, I try to make it work when they go to marriage counseling because they're trying to cover their bases of who filed, who gets percentages, who uh, who finds out who's really the shitty person. And you can manipulate yourself in certain aspects and say, I try to make it work. But... um. We're obsessed with this aesthetic of recapturing the past, of trying to recreate some old uh, ways of romanticism. And the message in a bottle one, no pun intended, but there's a lot of cracks in that one. Um, I guess the whole aspect of realistically, it's like, yeah, if you're in war, you're probably going to die, you're going to. Throw it into the nearby lake and hopefully one day someone captures it and brings it back to society. And somehow it gets to the person it's supposed to be for. But uh, talk about bottleneck theory. Um, when reality, think about it. If he put it in a bottle, the chances are alcohol. It's really no different than a drunken text. So... Maybe you shouldn't actually think he means it. I've sent plenty of drunken texts that I'm regretful of. I've gotten some in return as well. We've all gotten them, and you could tell when someone sends them. And you could tell, like, I'm sure they kind of believe this, but they don't like, you know, they don't really actually want to say it. You're going to take when someone says, I love you when you're drunk. When they're drunk, it's probably not going to be the same as when they say, I love you, when you're eating a Hershey Kiss bars and sharing a s'mores. It's probably a different type of meaning. Because even though the theory of 
Three people tell you the truth. Angry people, drunk people, and children. Well, they tell you what they feel. But, you know, they actually want you to know what they feel as well. They just kind of said it because they're like, fuck it. But if you don't have the courage to say something on your own power and merit, does it really have the same meaning? It's like people that want to have, that are only fun and interesting and only can be loose when they drink alcohol. You know, it's probably not a, probably not the greatest sign because it means they're not very internally willed. What's the moral of all this? I think old romanticism is highly, ironically, romanticized. And this has absolutely nothing to do with anything that I've seen recently. I just thought of it. And uh, laundry is like... Uh, I I look at a respecting woman like how I do laundry. I'll get to it when I get to it. And same with sending the old message in a bottle without the police involved. That's a... Guitar Hero 2, or Rob Band, or really just a music reference, but, you know. Not all messages are meant to be sent. And it doesn't matter if I send it to you in two seconds, or if it gets to you 90 years from now. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. Kind of like Trevor Bauer You know, he didn't mean to, you know, bruise her uh, sleeping body with his fists. He just did. Talk about taking, you know, we thought grabbing by the pussy was a terrible turn. This dude literally punched a girl in the pussy. Not fisted, literally punched. Didn't mean to get graphic. I know this is a quote-unquote kid's show, but we don't kid around here. Kids Choice Awards. I'm pretty sure uh, the uh, the judge will have some choice words for the for the Cy Young Award winner. He can try to dodge those uh, charges, but I'm just gonna say I don't think you're getting out of this one because man, he uh, Trevor definitely Bowsered. <laughs> That's not really funny to be making fun of a woman who was physically violated against her will. It's not. It's really not funny. I make fun of that case a lot because it's kind of absurd how there will still be people trying to defend certain aspects of um, men. And it's not even really men, but I do feel like we've fallen into this thing in society where we get a lot more just trying to defend people than kind of seeing it for what it is. And I understand we have to be in this hyper defense of men that do shitty things. No matter what, like people this day will still try to really believe and defend Bill Cosby. People this day will really try to sit here and believe Michael Jackson and touch kids. Even Drake makes references and he literally has a fake song featuring Michael Jackson. Don't matter to me. Well, it should. And he even mentioned Chicago freestyle, but the palace ain't for kids. He's basically telling you, yeah, he's my idol in a sense, but... I'm not an idiot. That's okay. You don't have to separate artists from... Uh, I mean, you can separate the artists from 
real life to an extent, but if you don't think that uh, matters or doesn't change any way you look at them, I mean, whatever helps you sleep at night, um, but it's just a fascinating tell. That's all I'm going to say on that. That is all I'm going to say is that we have a hyper defense of trying to defend people because we just want to defend someone because we feel there's a bigger cultural societal problem, which there is, but you're picking the worst examples to try to defend someone. And it really just makes you look like you were pro those things. And you can't sit here and say you have a daughter. And you can't sit here and have a son and automatically tell them, like, look, even if you do these things, just remember, it's not your fault. And then, on the flip side, if you have a daughter, imagine she reads that story with all these people and be like, you're defending this guy. And then you're telling your daughter, hey, I understand, I don't agree with it, but hey. You know, you got to understand, how are you going to try to justify that to your daughter? I don't know. I just think when people all ask, is before you just blindly defend people when the cases are pretty damning. I don't care about technicalities and semantics. Uh, O.J. Simpson got off on semantics and technicality, and every fucking person on this earth knows. He, uh, he had a bone to pick with Mr. Goldman. I believe that's his fucking name. Who cares? Maybe if he would have just got some vitamin C in the morning, you know, would have been fine. Maybe he would have been immune to killing. <laughs> oh, immunity. Talk about herd. <sighs> oh, by the way, I've been on this reading podcasts reviews rave. Uh, like, recently, I'm like podcasts I listen to, or even ones I kind of don't, but I'm aware of. I like reading the Apple podcast reviews from people, right? And it's just fascinating to me the things that people will bitch about. They'll say someone will give a podcast one star because they're like, I didn't like you liberal fucktard. They've turned into this one thing they disagree with. I was like, I can't watch this anymore. You're spreading. You're, uh, you're spreading the commie mission. But, uh. Or you'll or you say things like, oh my god, stop eating in the microphone. And then you listen to the podcast like, it's like for half a second in the episode. Fucking relax. People fucking overreact to this shit. If people that's ever spoken into a microphone for for extended period of time, they would fucking understand that it's really hard not to make inaudible noises when you speak and you have a mouth with fucking saliva. I'm sorry, I'm not going to go two hours or an hour or even 45 minutes without taking a sip of something. Your boy's got to hydrate. Jesus fucking Christ. Just the things people will bitch about today is just fucking annoying. And it just fucking makes me want to bitch about the shit they're bitching about, which I guess by default makes me want to bitch. Jesus. It's all about them angles. I guess, um, look, if you totally hate these podcasts, that is fine. But, so, if you're going to waste your time, then 
waste your time with me. I mean, honestly, open your eyes and fucking listen to this fucking podcast. Jesus, leave a fucking podcast review, even if it sucks. I know this podcast sucks, and that's fucking okay. I know it doesn't really suck, but I know it sucks. It's a one-man show. I do all the production, everything, and it shows. Jesus, you try doing all this shit with a fucking Chromebook. Then you tell me what you come up with. What are you going to talk about, minotards? What are you going to talk about, fucking vaccines all fucking day? Because you have nothing else you want to fucking talk about except bitch about whatever the fuck your political views are. Or whatever fucking your status is. Or whatever your view on everything being uh, some type of commie. Some type of libtard. Or some type of conservatives. Right wing, left wing. Is that what you think people want to fucking hear all day from you? Yeah, I know. Now I'm going on a rant that's not even there. But you know what? The algorithm. Fucking Jesus. It's so fucking dumb. I don't understand the fasc- the fascination. With left wing, right wing nonsense. If you want to waste your time bitching and worrying about politics that don't fucking return the favor to you for you to inaudibly give a fuck about it, that's a fucking you problem. And I hope whatever you're suffering through, you continue to suffer. Because you were suffering my ears, you were suffering my eyes, and you were suffering the echo chamber message that is going across the board. And I don't care if I agree with the message or not. I'm just tired of people just repeating shit and have no original take on something. And either want to just be contrarian just to be contrarian or they want to try to completely just want to make sure you don't oppose to anything. And that's what I hate about this uh, this whole fucking political nonsense. You want to know why I don't really sit here talk about politics? I know no one asked, but I'm going to tell you. Because you know why? Because I asked myself. This is a bonus episode. Episode 79, by the way. Don't forget to like and subscribe and uh, fondle my balls. The way you fondle any person that you agree with. If you agree with Steven Crowder. If you agree with fucking... Uh, what's their fucking name? See, I don't even like keeping track of their fucking names. If you agree with these fucking uh, Gavin McGinnis nonsense motherfuckers, if you want to agree with these asswipes, then go ahead and fucking agree. Just go ahead. Because just know you don't listen to these people for an actual quote-unquote unbiased agenda. You literally listen to these people to reaffirm... The agenda that you have yet to even make for yourself yet. And ironically, the same shit that you bitch about. Agenda, unbiased, and yet you're watching the most specific bias bullshit that you will ever come to. Everything has bias when you listen to it. I hate the breaking to you. This whole, you can say, all we want is this unbiased TV company. You know why no one listens to unbiased TV? Because it's boring as hell. Because you know what? If unbiased TV worked, there would be unbiased television network. And y'all would be listening. I want you to look at the fucking views 
that BBC gets, well, BBC is not a great example because they're really in a completely different landscape and they cover completely different things for the most part. They're worried about the royal family. You're worried about whether Joe Rogan has takes ivermectin or if Aaron Rodgers, if he's contaminating a team. Two different worries. But you say you want, there's plenty of unbiased networks, but you guys don't really give a fuck about that. So stop bitching about unbiasedness when all you do is continue to listen to the same channels that you've already identified as extremely biased. And then you go in there and comment under sections that you already know are biased. And somehow you feel like, hmm, after eight years, I'm pretty sure they're going to listen to me. Let me tell you, they're not going to fucking listen to you. They don't care what you have to say because they already have a proven track record of what works and what gets you to click on videos. So if you want to fucking stop bitching about it, one, it would be great. Two, it would probably help your case. Three, if you really give a fuck, stop watching the bullshit. And that's enough on that. All right. Anyways, let's get back on track to actually interesting stuff. Uh, So, uh, NBA basketball. (laughs) I'm not going to talk about NBA basketball. Who the fuck wants to listen about Thursday night football? Who the fuck wants to listen about NBA games today? I will say this, though, right? Let me ask you guys this. You're welcome for the bonus Friday episode. I already posted one earlier today, trying to get the numbers up. Pump them numbers up, rookie. And I am a... I wouldn't say I'm a rookie in this game. I'm more like a... I look at it as like more like I was... Injured for most of my rookie year. And I'm in my second year. And I got experience of being in the system. But I'm still rehabbing to get back on the court. And now I'm back on the court. And I'm just filling myself out by a better knowledge. That's the way I feel. Episode 79. Into the podcast and industry. Uh, but I do wonder. What do you guys hate about podcasting? What is your number one pet peeve when you listen to? I'll tell you mine. And I think I think different rules apply to shows where it's singular and it's just one person compared to when you have a person and a guest or a person and other co-hosts. I think different rules apply. And I don't like being a podcast that talks about the landscape of podcasts and what my success in podcasting is very minimal to be very generous about it. But, you know, they say, fake it till you make it. That's why I try to tell them in my bed, hey, just fake it till I make it. And then I'll make you some rice and sausage. <laughs> Sniffle. Pig and blanket. Oink, oink. Because that's what it sounds like when I'm down there. Oink, oink. Oh. That was disgusting. But hey, let me stick a coin in the piggy bank. And like Vegas, hopefully uh, hopefully I got your heart. Even if I lost the card at hand. Anyways, uh, it's all about quickness of the hands and fingers. Kind of like a card dealer. Except the cards I've been dealt doesn't really matter. Because... Fingers, food. I'm a big finger food guy. But anyways, back to the fucking point. I really don't care to hear 
Well, I listen to a podcast, right? When it's an interview, if it's like I click on the video and it's an interview style of show and it's one person and they interview someone, but then they have their, they may have like their producers or people that chime in, you know, I mean, they're not really co-hosts. They're more just like, um, they're there for when they want to do advertisements or they're there for the chime in when they're doing solo stuff. I'm not a big fan of long ass opens when I clicked on an interview. I'm not going to say the podcast because it's way more successful than mine. But I want you, but I study my own habits of shows I listen to. And I try to avoid those misadventures for my listeners when they listen to mine. The opening, if you know anything, people will either listen. If people get past the first three minutes of your podcast, then on average, they will listen to 14 minutes or more of your podcast. If you have an hour or less podcast, meaning if they get past the first three minutes, they're going to give you a chance to about the 15 minute mark to, um, to evaluate if they want to continue, right? So, but there's one show and the show is typically about two hours or three hours, but it's really... They'll have an open for 45 to 50 minutes where they just want them, the host, and their friends involved, which is fine, but your friends aren't really co-hosts of the show. They're kind of just like, when they talk on the show, when you guys do your open, it has absolutely nothing to do with the guests. It's almost like, for podcast listeners, I just hope you understand that the goal of some of these bigger podcasts, and I know this because I've done a little bit of research of what they do and it's not necessarily misleading or tactical in the wrong way but their goal is to waste as much time of you as possible without you even realizing it and that sounds worse than what it means but what it means is if they start out giving you exactly what you want then it's gonna kind of all right I got what I want I'm gonna check out so if you notice for a lot of the bigger podcasts, they don't put timestamps when it's a interview style for the most part. They'll put like things they may talk about, but they don't put timestamps. Why is that? One, because they don't want you to just click on the subjects you want and then dip. They want you to listen until they get to the subject and invest in it. But when the show does things like... Uh, Waste 40 minutes of your time of them jibber-jabbering about absolutely nothing. Not even current topics of the host and their friends, her friends. And it becomes a self-prophecy just talking about themselves, which is fine. But they're not even talking about anything that's topical or anything. They're just kind of talking about their whatever. I always skip over it. I kind of have a guy, I'll fast forward, I'll just click around so I hear the voice of the guests and then kind of maneuver back to whenever they actually started. But be careful when you listen to some of these couple, two. if I'm investing two or three hours into your podcast, right, you don't, and you have an interview that's two or three hours, there's no need for you to do this 40 minute opening of you talking about just 
your dogs and shit. And wasted people's time type of shit. That sounds harsher than what it is. I talk about myself. I talk about, you know, personal things in my life, kind of. But I don't waste 20 minutes to start out a show where you guys have to sit through to actually get through something you actually may want to hear. I may incorporate it here and there. But just know that the goal of this is... Because the more time they have you listen, the more credits and listens, and the more watch time they waste of yours, the more in the algorithm, the more will get pushed, recommended, especially like on YouTube specifically, but even on the big podcasting platforms. Because a show may have, let's just say, let's say an episode gets 20,000 plays, technically. Plays are considered, you click the button, and the podcast, I believe, has to play for at least... Five or ten seconds and it's considered a play. So it's not like a fake and audible play. But it's considered a play. But they do keep track of how much watch time of that podcast. So if you do a three hour pod. And 40 minutes of it begin could have been scrapped. But you're making people invest to listen to the whole thing based off how you formatted the thing. They've wasted 40 minutes of your time. They added to 100,000 plays. Just by that 40 minutes they wasted, they're going to be pushed up the algorithm if they already know they're going to get a lot of listens anyways. It's almost taking advantage of knowing that people will listen to you just to listen to you. And I think when you get... I think one thing... I'm not someone that... Like, do what you want. I'm kind of the same. Like, I don't make people listen. I don't convince people. I don't tell people like, oh, no one's going to tell me I'll do my show. But one thing I do value is from the beginning to not just give you shit I don't care to talk about or to set up something or to open with something. Like, their openings are just as long as most of my episodes and have nothing to do with the interview of what I clicked on it for. But they want you to invest in it just to incorporate in their lifestyle, I guess. And it sounds more just like a private conversation that they want public. And the more watch time they wasted on you with the opening. I don't know. I, I, I guess the point I'm trying to make with this is when you listen to this shit. Don't. Don't waste your time with 40 minute opens of people talking to themselves that Literally, doesn't even entertain you or interest you. Don't feel you're indebted to listen to someone just because you like them. Me included. You know, sk- uh, like if even if you if you don't like me talking about skip skip around. Now, I'm an advocate of that. I don't you know, I don't think everything I say someone should listen to beginning to end. That's egotistical. Now, I'm not that interesting. There's a reason why I cap my episodes an hour or less more times than not. Because talking to yourself, no one's listening to one person talk more than an hour more times than not. Especially me. But when I listen to these shows and it's just wasted air. You know, it's not even a clever way of incorporating. I think Mark Maron actually does it better. I'm not, I don't listen to his whole opens. But at least when you listen to his opens, he's talking about things that lead into the guest. 
like he'll structure things the way he says. He'll talk about himself sometimes, but somehow he'll at least incorporate the ease you into the guests he's about to have. But this show I'm particularly referring to doesn't even do that. It's just the waste of time to get your watch time, to get your listen time, to push themselves up the algorithm and to push themselves up to be recommended. And it's really, it's really inherently because that 40 minutes you spent listening to that bullshit open could have listened to me or you could have been listening to anything else or could have been doing a lot of other stuff. And they take that for granted. So just saying, uh, keep your eye out. Keep your eye out for the two-seamer because no matter how much it seems to seem to you, um, you will be brave and win the world no matter how serious I may have come off. But yeah, don't let these podcasts waste your time. Me included. Me included. All right. Alrighty. So, uh, the other day, I was getting a little rub and tug. No, not that type. Let me remind you what rub and tug really means. It means when the rubber meets the road, yeah, tug from under and check your catalytic converter. And uh, see who's the catalyst of converting puns. Oh boy, here we go. Oh boy, boy, boy. Baby, baby, baby. Like I said, if you're going to waste your time, waste your time with me. I mean, honestly. Open your fucking ears and listen. If you're going to waste your time, you can have all the space. Do not listen to that podcast. Uh, what is Alright Serious question here Serious 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 Is running on concrete Is it just me or is it when I walk and run on concrete nowadays? It didn't used to always be like this. I don't know what happens. I don't know if it's with age. I don't know if my feet just suck now. Maybe my shoes are a little outdated. But it doesn't matter what shoes I wear. It's the same result. It's always on the right heel. I'm getting these splinters out of the fucking crazy. I guess the thing I'm wondering is... I know running on concrete is quote unquote supposedly bad for your knees. It's supposed to be wearing tear and all that shit. Wear. And guess what? When I run on concrete nowadays compared to when I run on a treadmill, that is true. I honestly, I never felt that difference before. I always ran on concrete pretty easy on a treadmill. I hated the treadmill. It feels weird. But now I'm kind of more acclimated to running on the treadmill. But then, of course, you know in the back of your head because you hear it on a Joe Rogan podcast that running on the treadmill is like 40% easier. You're not actually running however fast or how inclined. It's doing a lot of the work for you. More times than not, if you're not diligent with what you're doing, you're kind of letting the treadmill drag you to move, which is not necessarily a bad thing because you're still sweating. You still lose weight and stuff. But in terms of actually building pure strength 
and running form and everything with the narrowness running on the treadmill is not necessarily best probably long term and consistently to rely on that of how good of a runner or your endurance because it's completely different running four miles on the treadmill at a steady pace that's you know giving you a little handicap roll it's like if you're running a marathon it's like you know, there's people that get caught in marathons when they kind of run through crowds and pop up, which I like how no one in the crowd's like, hey, what's this fucker doing just going in between us? Because, you know, all the people, look, all the people, at least in the main marathons, I'm not talking about like your local downtown city marathon where they're just doing it for, you know, pancreatic cancer. Like, you know, I'm talking about like the Atlanta, the Peachtree, the, you know, Boston marathon. Um, the, what's the fucking other ones? New York Marathon. There's other marathons, aren't there? There's a lot of fucking marathons. I don't know why I'm struggling. You know, the big marathons, whatever. You get the whole fucking picture. Um, but yeah, treadmill is basically kind of like, you, you can't run 26 miles on a treadmill and think, okay, I'm going to feel the same running 26 miles on a treadmill. Compared to running 26 miles on concrete. Let me just tell you. You're going to feel a little bit different. You're going to be tired as hell. Your legs are probably going to be dead. But man. You're going to have different pains in different places. It's not the same. I would say always if you're going to run. I get back to the point. But if you're going to run, balance it out. You know, split it up half and half, outside, you know, whatever. It's good to run outside. But anyways, back to the fucking point. Gosh, I like to go on tangents. Not on purpose, but let me sign and co-sign the tangent. If you're running outside too much, you're going to have tan lines. And be gentile with my shorty shorts. Stop staring at my booty because they're bouncing, bouncing. Ooh. But, um. Shit, what the fuck was I talking about? Oh, fuck. Only if I could rewind. Uh, shit, hold on, guys. Give me a second. Give me a second. I'm staying in the game. Get your head in the game. Oh, there we go. It's just not the same. It's just not the same. And a lot of things that aren't really relative, but are comparable. People, you know, something I like to say when people try to say it's the same. Saying running on a treadmill and running on concrete is the same. Would be the equivalent of saying wearing boxers and wearing briefs are the same. It's like, no. Different benefits to each one, but there's also going to be a trade-off for whatever the benefit is. So, like running on a treadmill... Uh, boxer, uh, like running on the treadmill briefs are more suitable for athletic compare for athletic adventures, right? You know, you can, you know, it's pretty secure down there. You're protected, keeps things in place. You don't have to worry about things flopping like, uh, Marcus Smart bitching about not getting the ball when it's like, Hey, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, can you pass the ball? It's like, yeah. To who? 14-year veteran Al Horford, who's been on three teams in the past two and a half years. 
Uh, Marcus Smart, who's a 37% shooter. Yeah, we'll just pass you guys the ball. Same thing. Yeah, we'll pass it to Peyton fucking Pritchard. Yeah, you know what? You know, it's the equivalent of having James Harden as the third option, right? We have Marcus fucking Smart, but whatever. Um, but wearing briefs has the benefits of it probably feels nicer when you work out, you know. Things shape better. It's better for squats. It's more comfortable in some aspects. But what's the trade-off? Oh, if you wear them too much, it potentially kind of shrinks the flaccid state of... What's a nice way of putting it? Um, your woody woodpecker. And it also kind of... It kind of uh, shapes the wrinkles. It kind of shapes the testicles. Actually, if you wear them too much, it, and it legitimately, your uh, your balls potentially can actually start because of the compression and everything. It can actually cause some tightness, which could cause potential issues. I'm talking about semen, kids. I'm talking about fertility issues, legitimately. Apparently, briefs can actually cause fertility issues if worn too much and not the correct size. Most important, size. That's why one size doesn't fit all. But, now, you can wear boxers where it's around the waist. You got a little room. You know, it's a little breathing room around the thighs. Um, But, you know, it's kind of pre-adjusted to whatever your uh, trajectory down there is, depending on your line graph and where you lie in. It's complimenting, but when you do athletic ventures and you're wearing certain shorts or even certain pants, it can be very uncomfortable. Sometimes they riot. Sometimes the things ride up. They don't stay in place in the thighs if you don't get the right size proportion to your thighs, which are very impossible if you have thick thighs and a thin waist. Oh, only the thick boy problems. Um, sometimes they get caught around the waist, restricted. They rip and shit. And exercising and working out, it just feels weird. It doesn't feel right. You just feel uncomfortable with certain boxers. Like, it just seems like you're always readjusting shit that aren't your balls, necessarily. You just always feel something riding up. Right, Joe Boxer? But, what's the trade-off? Um, you'll probably not have fertility issues and potential erectile dysfunction issues, supposedly. Look it up. There's a real shit. I just learned about this shit recently. It's crazy. It's a crazy world. It feels like that's something they should have taught you in school. Because it's like, yeah, take them. It'd be like, hey, if this is going to cause your fertility, maybe just a few people wouldn't have done it. But then again, McDonald's and eating shitty food causes dysfunctions and fertility issues. That didn't stop us. So you know what? Probably the boxers and brief things wouldn't have made a difference. Or just do what most of us do more times than we like to admit anyways. Go commando, Captain. Especially when you run on the treadmill. Let him see when you're looking right out the fucking window at 11 a.m. 
And then an old man wants to come beside you and he wants to look over while you're wearing your blue sweatpants and say, hey, I see uh, something needs the blue you. Uh, talk about code blue. Moral of the story is don't go commando at 11 a.m. on a Thursday at a gym. Because you're so used to going at 2, 3, 4 in the morning when no one's there. So you kind of wear whatever. Scream when you're having trouble. Scream and grunt when you're on the treadmill. And no one's really paying attention. But when you're paying attention, there's... You know, treadmill etiquette, by the way. Jesus, I just farted. Treadmill etiquette, by the way. If I am at a treadmill... I'm not talking about playing in fitness... Because Planet Fitness has like 50 in a row. I'm talking about a typical gym probably has like, let's just say, I don't know, seven treadmills in a side by like incremental row. If I am at a treadmill, I always pick the second last to left by the window. It's a perfect treadmill. I know it says good stability. I like the view out of the window. I don't like being smack dab in the middle, but I also don't like being right at the edge where I'm like right by the window. It's a weird film. But anyways, treadmill etiquette. If I am at this treadmill, if I am, let's say, one through seven, I'm at this treadmill number two. And the next closest person is at number seven, which is near the end. You know what you don't do unless you're going to be another lovely lady? If you're, I don't know, 68-year-old man and you have all the treadmills to choose from, you know what? Pick anywhere. Pick four, five, or six if you want to creep her out. But you know what? Pick four and five, ideally. Don't pick one and three. And have This dude picks number one. He has all these treadmill options. And he picked the one right next to me when there was four in between me and the other lady. He could have picked one of those four or three, ideally. He could have picked, he could have skipped over the one to my right and gone from option number four or five and gave a space. Treadmill etiquette. If you don't have to run next to someone on a treadmill and you're not with someone and you don't know that person, don't. It throws everything off. If anyone's ever run on a treadmill, it is so weird running next to someone. Or actually worse, when they're not running and you are running and they're just looking down their phone, you know, politely walking. It's so weird to try to be running and jogging while some person, because then it's almost like they're looking over at you because your treadmill's kind of shaking because you're a little heavier fellow and they're looking over. You feel a little imbalanced. You feel a little uncomfortable. You're like, you feel like you're like two seconds away from them tapping on your shoulder. You have to turn down the fucking speed, turn down the incline, take out your piece, but like, what? And be like, hey, where do you go to school? I don't give a fuck. I'm running on the fucking treadmill. Let me cheat my pace in peace. Jesus. And that made me just want to run on fucking concrete. And then faceplant on concrete. Then running. I'd rather faceplant and run on concrete in front of nine people. Than to run right next to someone on a treadmill. It's the most uncomfortable feeling. But what the fuck do I know right? That was episode 79 of the Off and Beat Podcast. 
This is either going to be posted Friday or Saturday. Should probably save it for Saturday, but you know what? I'll do two episodes in a day. Fuck it. Fuck me. All right, guys. Don't forget to suck some titties. Like, subscribe, and uh, just a reminder. The palace is not for kids. Jesus. I got a stomach diarrhea. Hey, use my toilet. Oh.